Now, we have a lovely report from Michelle Brown now. She visited the Marymount Hospital and Hospice in Cork recently. And what she's looking at there is the gardens and how important nature is to people at this stage of their lives. Inch by inch, row by row, how to make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Someone bless these seeds I sow Someone warm them from below Till the rain comes tumbling down The gardens are fantastic for people that are suffering because there's something in the... When you're close to the earth, you're close to nature. Nature does speak to you and we're all too busy. That's what happens. It's only when you get sick and you stop on your tracks that you realise there's a lot more to life. Isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Very important. You realise after that that, you know, you have to change. Busy, busy, busy. And all of a sudden, when you're too busy, you don't touch into your emotions at all. So, like, this is where it is. I mean, it's a beautiful life. It is a beautiful life. That's Betty Penny, mother of Sonia Lynch, who passed away recently in Marymount Hospice in Cork. Sonia had previously worked for many years as a paediatric nurse in the Mercy Hospital, as well as a community nurse for the Mary Keating Foundation. She married John Lynch, who was a beautiful husband, perfect husband. She said he treated her like a princess, which she's very happy about. She has three children. Isaac is 12, Isabel is 15, and Alex is just 18. They're young. They're a lovely family, beautiful family. I couldn't say fault them. She got sick nine years ago, which was 39. Breast cancer she started off with. She never cribbed, never complained much, kept going all the time. A beautiful person in every way. Uh, You know, they were singing her praises, but we could also sing her praises. Ever before she got sick, she had a a lovely nature, great empathy for people, understanding for people. Too good. Did you ever get a person who was too good? (gasps) Sonia used her experience, including that of undergoing treatment with young children, to assist research at Cork University Hospital. She became the Irish Cancer Society's first ever Public and Patient Involvement Champion of the Year for her contribution. Because of her work, other women will have help during their struggle through illness. Betty is very grateful for the help and support her daughter got from Marymount. The care of the staff here is known about far and wide. Definitely the atmosphere in Marymount is widely remarked upon as being one that's really calm and really supportive. So many people say that people walk into Marymount and their shoulders relax because they know that their loved one will be in great hands. The care of the nurses is definitely like famous. Like the, the nurses are called angels and they just have just a huge capacity for kindness as well that I think makes all the difference here, do you know? That's Enid Conway the fundraising and marketing manager at Marymount. It's all of the staff, honestly now, the maintenance, caretakers, like the people in in catering, fundraising, marketing, admin, um, as well as the clinical staff. Everyone has such a human touch. There's just an awareness that the people that come in here are undergoing difficult times or the time that's left is particularly precious and there's a sanctity around that. Shortly after winning gold for Best in Show in the Chelsea Flower Show, Adam Hunt, 
from Urquhart and Hunt Landscape Design and Ecological Restoration, Andy's partner, the garden designer and cork woman, Valerie Keating Bond, were asked by the charity Friends of Leukemia to further develop the garden on the hospice grounds. A sanctuary of peace for those undergoing the labour of dying and all those tending to them on their final journey. Yeah, we're standing next to a native species hedge here, which is goes up to about four or five metres deep in places, full of birds, you can hear the birds singing, and it's full of squirrels and rabbits, which is a bit of a worry with the plants. And there were two amazing ponds, both of which get frogs born in them every spring, but they needed a bit of love and care, and then so we've built our two gardens around those, haven't yeah. we? You see, and the thing is, you're looking at now the balconies, and they're full of plants, and so the, the patients, you have patients that might be here very briefly, and then you have patients who are here much longer. And as you walk around the site, you'll see how, how horticulture is actually so important at this stage. Um, there's little gardens everywhere, and people who have their own terrace are encouraged, and they just naturally make it very beautiful. I know one patient planted hundreds of daffodils. Um, as you can see, even walking down here, they use like shrubs and there's an awful lot of greenery, you know, they've yeah. really done it very well. Um, and some, we're trying to put it in our new areas to work as much possibly with the old areas. I think everyone here agreed with what Val and I were trying to say, which was we've got incredible biodiversity here, let's enhance it. And so that what we've tried to create is a nature walk around the grounds, because a lot of the people that come here, they're in a very stressful situation. They have a loved one in the hospital who may or may not be in a very good state at all. And they, to come out and actually be able to sit in a garden next to a pond. One of the things that you see in these ponds in the spring is a lot of swallows diving and drinking off water off the surface and picking up mud. And a lot of the residents of the hospice really enjoy seeing those swallows flying around the building. And people don't realise this, but to have swallows you need to have water because they make their nests from mud. So you only get swallows where there's an easy source of water. And if we got rid of the ponds, there wouldn't be any swallows here. Oh, look! And that heron's look coming heron. in. Who do you got? Thank you, looking. There's a heron. That just makes, he flew it, over that just makes me. it all for me now, like. Yeah. He flew over me a couple of weeks back and dropped a frog. So I took the frog and put it back in the pond. <laughs> He's up on the roof now. <laughs> giving us the eyes, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Betty is Valerie's aunt, and Valerie was working on the landscape while Sonia was here last August. Valerie had been working, so it is a small world when you think of it. Did we ever think we'd end up out here? You know, we didn't. I asked Betty if the gardens at Marymount gave them comfort. Yes, she, they did, definitely did. Myself and Sonia were looking out at the rabbits. There was five rabbits at one stage, and we were watching them for a good half an hour, watching the way they were moving around and jumping around. It was beautiful. I mean, like the robins, which stood out to us, they were behind our backs, mm. and they'll always say a robin only comes where there's peace and they were on, jumping on the chair behind us. Mm. So it, it was beautiful. We went out in the garden a few times and she loved it. Mm. Mm. Sometimes what Adam and Valerie have done is so subtle you wouldn't even see it until it was pointed out to you. Like the native brambly hedges that will attract birds because that is where they nest as they feel safe from predators. Or the hibernaculum built into the borders next to the pond for frogs to climb into and hibernate over winter and other things, as Adam points out, at the arrival garden by the entrance to the hospice. We've restored the pond, we've put in a, a nice beach hedge, and then we've got this curved stone wall, it's a West Cork sandstone, 
with a clear coping stone on top, lovely thick grey finish that people can sit on but there'll also be two seats and then we've got this naturalistic planting and these big boulders which is this kind of green quartz and um, what we're hoping is that people will be able to come out here and have somewhere to sit and talk me through some of the plants that you have well we've put in a mix of, of grasses flowers we've got things like an ornamental sea holly we've got uh, autumn flowering grasses uh, we've got buddleia we've got buttercup hazel, an ornamental apple, viburnum, ornamental wood spurge. There's a lovely range. We've got irises, we've got tulips, we've got daffodils. Yeah, there's a lot in here. <laughs> so you like buddleia? The insects like buddleia. That's why we put it in. And Valerie's really keen on buddleia. So we've got a, a, quite a nice range of buddleia in here. And you all see it. It's so worth having in the garden. But what we also try to do is we try to plant forage plants for butterfly caterpillars because when they feed as adults they're quite generalist but when they're in their caterpillar stage they're very specific so a lot of the fritillary butterflies like violets and they're really important as a food source and peacock butterflies and tortoise shells love nettles so a lot of butterflies on a buddleia you'd see peacock butterflies tortoise shells commas large and small whites you'd probably also maybe see a holly blue i don't think a garden would be a garden without wildlife in it really and that's my view i mean in, in my own garden i've taken it to quite an extreme and now i'm trying to reclaim the garden back a little bit but it's just really interesting to see what insect and bird communities you can have in a garden and they like complexity which is another word for untidiness now, that's not to say a whole garden has to be untidy, but everything has its place. And so there's been a lot of success with this No Mow May campaign, and you're seeing that local authorities are starting to plant a lot more wildflower meadows. I mean, it saves some money because they don't have to mow it every week. But also the nature responds to complexity. It responds to more diverse habitats. And for me, what would a garden be without birdsong and butterflies and insects and hummerbees? What would it be? Valerie and Adam aren't the only ones in Cork with Chelsea Gold Medal experience. I also met contract landscaper Colm Cronin. Hello. Hi there, how are you doing? Nice to meet you, Michelle. Michelle, how are you keeping? Good. Uh, you, are you a Corkman as well? I am, down from Ventry. Yeah, very yeah. talented, I hear. I don't know. We're, yes, yes, we're, yes. We're, we're kind of fake, it, I suppose, maybe. <laughs> <but> <laughs> we're letting it on, like, you yeah. know. Yeah. Tell me, Colm, what, what are you doing here? Um, I suppose I'm doing the... The landscaping, doing the general work, um, or organising it anyway, and doing it with the lads here. Valerie and Adam came up with the, the design, and I suppose we built the garden, and um, we've planted it out there over the last couple of weeks. So the planting is finished today. Final thing, the bulbs have been all stuck in the ground, and can't wait till spring now to see them pop out and see what kind of a colour it is. So I hear you worked with Chelsea Gardens before, did you? I did. I suppose I was over in 2010 with Dermot Gavin. And I worked with him there for a week in the planting of that garden, which ended up inside in Fitzgerald's Park afterwards. And then 20 years ago, I suppose, I went over with Future Forest and they did a Mary Reynolds garden. So they planted up there. She won gold as well. Okay, so veteran gold. Well, you know, I've, I've just been maybe been very lucky. The two times I've been there, there's been gold. So... <laughs> And then I can meet up with Adam and there's gold with him as well. So <laughs> it's either me or them, I'm not sure. <laughs> Tell me, um, what do you like about the garden here at Marymount? 
I suppose it's different to a lot of things I've been involved in before. For one thing, from kind of a maintenance point of view, and the other thing of what the, the colour it will bring, and the whole thing of biodiversity, especially with the ponds. There were two kind of semi-derelict ponds, and we did a lot of clearing out and replanting in those and fenced them off. And now I think they're kind of the highlight of the, the whole scheme. So, like, in general, that kind of thing, it's nice, because a lot of the time, I suppose today, we're dealing with very modern type and contemporary gardens, and this is kind of a, a throwback or a step back to, I think, to kind of the way that we need to be going. And Mary uh, Mount is kind of special to people in Cork and Munster, I suppose, as well, isn't it? Oh, very much so. I think, like, from, you know, we meet people here from from West Cork, you know, there's people we met there one day from Clare, Tipperary, Kerry, down to Waterford. So I think it has, it is a great name, you know, and I suppose it's nice to be associated with something like this and to give back, you know, so that they can enjoy it because I know that people looking out the windows there, you know, people that aren't well, maybe the garden outside gives them, you know, it just gives them a lift on a day that they, they might need it. Does it give you a lift in the day? Oh, it does. Well, all, all types of mucky about in the garden does. I think, you know, every day is different. You know, wake up every morning, you know, as bad as the night may have been and the weather we've got while we were doing this, but, you know, the whole thing, you come here every day, there's a change and, you know, I suppose that's the one thing about gardening and the likes of this as well, there's, there's something changing every day and I suppose the expectation of what's to come as well, you know, in the spring and the summer of next year. Every time we stick the spade in the ground, we plant something, you know, we hope it will grow. And in fairness, plants, you know, if you give them any bit of care at all, they, were, they really want to grow. Like You throw an acorn on the top of the ground there and just in time it'll be an oak tree and we hope for the same here. And I think, um, if not hope, it can give you some kind of solace or some kind of, you know, peace? Uh, definitely, I think here, you know, the whole team here is that they're somewhere to actually sit down and reflect and, and maybe look back at things and, and probably, hopefully, give the people that will be here that's some bit of solace and, and, you know, for the time they're here. Valerie and Adam take me down paths wet with November's heavy rain and past the recently bared brown branches of the many, many trees they have planted, Scots pines and birches, bird cherries and field maples, all the way down to the Remembrance Garden. So, to give it added rabbit protection, we've created an enclosed space in the Remembrance Garden with fencing and beech trees. And we wanted a Remembrance tree. We planted um, this acer, multi-stem, and it's, it's old and it's, it's warped and it's, it's perfect. As I said, sometimes the work is so subtle, but some things you will definitely see. Like their signature tree, an Acer Tataricum, which they picked for its lovely form and colour including bright red leaves in autumn, and for the fact that it symbolises strength, courage and endurance. Um, and then we enclosed it with um, beech hedging and the pleach. It, its planting is more subtle and calming purples, whites and mauves and lilacs, things like that. So, and, and some, some roses. Well. And some roses yeah. and different, I mean, perennials that we might not be particularly aware of in Ireland. You know, we've really experimented while keeping it elegant and calming. Okay. And it's right next to this beautiful pond, which um, I love, so. Will we walk around this way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The grounds are fabulous, aren't they? There's loads they of space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This was draining so badly, there was a load of half-dead orchard trees. Uh, and apple trees are quite, they don't like sitting in, in the wet. So we put in these native trees and we tried to make it more 
sculptural if you like we've put these mounds in and we sort of imagine this is Val's idea but we, we imagine family sitting on the on the mounds of grass they're like little tumulus we call them in the UK little burial I call it teletubbies teletubby land <laughs> yeah but even here you couldn't really walk down here um, much of the year because it was just flooded wasn't it yeah yeah and so access was kind of limited so here's the fairy fort and we we did quite a light touch approach with the wildflower seed but we were unfortunate um, because we did it quite late in the spring and then it was very dry and and so we're giving it another go this autumn and we brought Paddy Barry in a surveyor because we wanted to have a Celtic spiral so yeah he laid the whole fairy fort out so that the wildflower meadow you know would, would, would work as a spiral design there'd be yeah there'd be a yeah. mown path all the way into the center wow which would be cool so how do you know it's a fairy fort basically it's an old neolithic uh, or iron age fort but it's called a fairy fort and it's archaeologically significant so no one was allowed to dig into it and we're certainly not going to start okay and so when people are looking out their, their windows of um, the hospice here what will they be seeing They'll be seeing a wildflower meadow with a spiral going through it. You can walk. So the spiral will be mown grass, mm -hmm. probably like a metre and a half, two metres wide. Mm -hmm. And then the rest will be wildflowers. And what, what makes wildflower meadows look really nice often is that contrast between the mown grass and the wild flowers. You can see that it's intentional. But you can see, even now you can see we've got buttercups down here and we've got yarrow. And things are taking, but we need more to take. Okay. Marymount has a pastoral care service providing spiritual, religious and psychological support for people of all faiths and none. Earlier during my visit there was a mass. As we head back inside, Valerie and Adam tell me they are very aware of the many dimensions to the work they do. Marymount, given what it is, a palliative care hospital, will bring you to that place of what is the meaning of life or what is my spiritual belief you know it's if someone's passing it's you want to feel very safe and down in the remembrance garden there is a statue of the virgin mary which a patient's family deceased um had put in and every so often they they send someone down to repaint her and she's got all her lovely beads and she's she's lovely and initially when i was down there i kept thinking that someone was watching me and now i just love her i love her and the Remembrance Garden, what you have down there is you have beautiful morning light. Mm. And because it's the Remembrance Garden, I kind of tapped into the significance of, how would you say, kind of a spiritual element of planting. But it's like the, the colour scheme would be so that the light in the morning would catch it and kind of just make it feel eerily beautiful. So, yeah, the, the planting palette in that sense is very emotionally regulating and calming, but yet softly delightful as well so yeah spirituality would definitely be something t that we have i would feel incorporated in here and there's an awful lot of old folklore with the with the, the fairy field and mythological stories you know regarding the trees that we've used and things like that and and how things like like the autumn leaf how it changes and how it then comes again so it's kind of about that death and rebirth sorry i'm getting very deep but it's it is a place of reflection and it is a time of reflection and gardens to me are, are a wonderful opportunity for you to reconnect with all of that, those questions. If we do our work well, we're storytellers yes. and 
you know, we're an island. This is a, this is a land of storytellers. But uh, if it's it's the way the land speaks to us, and if we if we listen well, we can tell a story with our gardens and our landscapes. And as Valerie said, there's an extraordinary level of history on the site at Marymount, and it's a very very special place in Cork. It's very everyone I speak to, it's dear to who lives around here. Everyone has a personal relationship with it. Although I'm not from Cork. Uh, I really respect that and it, it's a privilege to be involved with it and if we can tell that story, that story of the land and nature, then we've done our job, hopefully. I mean, I don't know if I should say this, but like, sometimes when I say I'm, I'm working at Marymount, people will say, oh God, I don't want to go near there, you know. There is that mm. kind of connection to it, there's a, you know, in some way there's a bit of a fear until people have a relationship with, with what's done here and how, how they're all angels and how they're all amazing. And so by making these gardens a beautiful place as well, I think it's a celebration of the lives that come here um, and the visitors that visit so that it's not so frightening. Enid also picks up on this. I think there's a stigma around working in a hospice that it's going to be an incredibly sad place to work. But it, it's really not. It's, it's, kind of, it's more about life than it, it's, than it is about death, really. The ethos of palliative care is all about like making sure that you live the last moments of your life to the fullest and having access to this like incredible garden. It's just another factor. And I think that people that come in and out of here are still, you know, curious about nature and ready to be kind of captivated by flora and fauna and insects and everything and to have that kind of little glimmer of magic in their day where maybe they can visit the garden with their loved one. We know from Betty that she certainly benefited from that glimmer of magic, that relief in nature in what she describes as the worst time of her life. However, like her daughter, she is strong and she tells me Sonia's family are doing well and have fundraised in her memory to help build a paediatric ward in Sri Lanka. The family are doing very well. They're quiet, but they're very good and they're coping very well. They're continuing with school, they have their sport. And at the moment, and they're even now at this stage talking to you, there was great support here for them. Uh, There's a great support for them when they need it. And you only realise when you lose your own daughter, how many more people are are going through it. Because you you just wouldn't realise the impact would have on you. So I think sometimes I feel at the moment, am I too good? But I'm letting it happen. I put on her tapes, her singing tapes, and then I, I go to my grieving. So I'm, I'm walking like that with it. You put on her music? Her music. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she, she was very blessed that she came here really to, towards the end. You know, it definitely did. She had a great, it was beautiful here, really beautiful. And as you say, look, even the piece here now this minute, isn't it beautiful?